Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Canadian Real Estate Homefront Podcast. Yeah, it feels like we're flying through these episodes, which is obviously a good thing. It means I that we like doing it. So we've gotten some great feedback from people too, yeah. which is awesome. And like, if you do want to see more short form content, follow us on the TikTok and Instagram accounts because we're getting a ton of comments on there too. Just saying like we're actually being real with people, like talking about, uh, you know, how it's expensive to live in Toronto and Vancouver. Like some people actually commented, other than some of the mean comments, but some of the nice ones were... Other than <laughs> mean comments. Some of the nice ones were actually like really refreshing to be like actually mm -hmm. like two realtors talking about how it's actually too expensive and, and prices need yeah, to come down. it affects so. us too. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. So anyways... Well, well, we got some good things on the docket today. Yeah, Before yeah. Before you get us started. Well, we did some agent stories last week. And I actually like these because I feel like a lot of people have questions about like the whole offer process and commissions and all these different things that they hear about, like, you know, discount commissions and everything like that. So the first one you sent me was, so charging the co-op agent a marketing fee. So what does this mean? So there's always two realtors to every transaction. So we have the listing agent that markets your property for sale, mm -hmm. who you hire. So you're the, the listing agent in this scenario? Okay, so I'll be the listing agent. I'll be the buyer. And you'll be the buyer's agent. So the seller will pay a total of, let's say, 5% in commission. Half would go to the listing agent and half would go to the agent that shows the buyer the property and puts in the offer and does the due diligence and all that good mm -hmm. stuff. So on a few listings that... I've seen, um, it says right on the listing that the cooperating commission, so to the buyer's agent, is 2.5% minus $50 up to $500 i have seen in marketing. And I just find it comical because you're paying your listing agent to do the photos, do the staging, market your property, sponsor ads, do reels, all that good stuff. But these agents are now turning around and putting it on the buyer's agent. So You know what is fun? <laughs> it's funny how you just said that these agents are doing all those things, like reels, staging. Yeah. Actually, they don't. There's no way they do all that. <laughs> <I> like <do. laughs> an agent who wants $50 or 100 whatever it yeah. might be, it costs thousands to stage. It costs yeah. thousands to do all those things. So it's definitely just an agent who paid yeah. $200 for photos and wants, and, and wants to split it with the sell. With the buy. Yeah. <laughs> plus the money they put into the list. Yeah. So we thought that was that one was funny. funny. So my solution to that is if I'm going to bring an offer as the buyer's agent now to a listing that says that I'll do 2.5% plus $50. $50. <laughs> a convenience fee. Yeah. Okay. So this one here, buyers asking for cash back and agents offering it on their social media. So what is like cash back? So I find that it's a thing in this market way more than ever before mm. is that buyers now know the market is tougher. They see these articles, you know, agents will make 50% of their income this year or, or less. Yeah. A lot of agents are leaving the business mm -hmm. or getting a second job or returning to their old place of employment. So I think buyers are taking it more as you need me more than I need you. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to work with you, my expectation is to get 1% back in cash out of your commission because they know a lot of agents who may or may not be struggling to continue producing will offer this to incentivize buyers to work with them. Yeah. So I think their buyer's confidence in even asking for this is way higher than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And 
agents that are not producing as much as, you know, last year, COVID times, a ton of transactions were happening, um, are offering it. So, you know, if somebody's going to put in an offer in a house and they don't know a realtor and one saying, hey, I'll give you 10 grand cash back if you let me write your offer essentially mm-hmm. versus another agent. Well, you know, in a buyer's mind, they'll have to see value in the other agent more than 10 grand, <laughs> grand cash. Yeah. It's kind of interesting too. Cause like, yeah, if you do see that value in your agent, who's like providing you like economic updates, they know the area. They, they've, they send you all the comps, they give you their opinion, right. they protect you as best you can. You're probably not asking that person for cash back. What do you no, think about that? No, I don't think so either because there's something to say about a purchase price, right? Mm-hmm. It is relative in a sense, whether it's bidding or um, knowing kind of what to, to go in at and being in contact with the listing agent and really, you know, negotiating. Who's to say you didn't pay 10 grand more than you could have using a different agent and you're just getting it back in your pocket. Yeah. I think going to the selling agent is always a big mistake Mm -hmm. because the seller is hiring the selling agent to do the best for them. So they're probably not, no, they're, I know they're not doing the best for you. (laughs) Well, as a listing agent, if I'm representing the best interests of the seller, Mm -hmm. if a buyer is coming to me directly, I am, there's a, I owe it to the buyer as well to give them, I think it's called customer service agreement instead of a buyer representation agreement. Yeah, yeah. So I, there's like a fiduciary duty to represent them the best that I possibly can. But if the seller is my client, obviously my goal is to get them the most amount for their house. Yeah. So when a buyer comes to me directly, yes, they, they might have a better chance at winning. I mean, I'm not allowed to disclose the offers to them, but I yeah. can kind of let them know this is where I think it's going to end up around here. This is would be a strong offer. Um, but I, I, at the end of the day, want the highest for my seller. So it's hard because you can't represent two people on either side of the transaction and represent both their best, best interests, interest, right? Yeah. One wants it for a good price and one wants it for the highest price. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, like I think double ending is still like an okay thing. Like if you've done a good job for someone in the past yeah. and then you go to list a house, you know, three years later and the person you did a good job for in the past calls you and says, Hey, I just saw your new listing. Like yeah. I want to come see it. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's benefits in having like teammates yep. and kind of having that different communication mm-hmm. because here's a simple example. Like if you know, your sellers are listed at 800 and you know, they'll take 750 and yeah. a buyer comes to you and says, Oh, I'll I'll give you seven seventy five, and you're just like, oh, like I'll see if they'll take it, and like you know they're they would take less. You kind of run into this hurdle of like, are you really doing the best job for both right. ends or both sides? Or because yeah. maybe, and you know, and as a buyer's agent myself, if I know a listing has been up for a little while, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a low offer, and I'm gonna test the seller's tolerance for sure, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't I would feel bad doing that if I represented the seller as well, whereas. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm giving it to the other agent. Counter me back. I'll yeah. start low because my goal is to get that the best deal, but I can't get my seller the best deal and my buyer the best deal. No. It doesn't work that way. Um, but a lot of people right now, I find my open houses are so busy and I have people only wanting to come with me, the listing agents, mm-hmm. go through me because I find that maybe they're not so focused on price if they have a decent budget if it's within you know 
a small amount. Yeah. They want to win. Yeah. So they think if I work with a listing agent, I'm winning. Yeah. They're going to tell me where I need to go. Need to go. Yeah. 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 Right. So this is where we run into trouble though. Right. This is where yeah. you run into. You can get sticky. There's yeah. probably been many RICO complaints. I am sure most RICO complaints have to do with multiple representatives. Yeah. Someone losing out on their dream house. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we can move on here. So <laughs> we've been seeing this a lot. Uh, chat GPT writing your listing description. Yeah. I've actually seen it where people literally put powered by chat GPT at the bottom. Is that like a mistake or is that something I have to disclose? So house Sigma, a lot of people use house Sigma. Probably everyone. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Knows yeah, yeah. Um, so now they're collaborating with chat GPT where chat GPT is summarizing it mm-hmm. for buyers. So that's just powered by chat GPT with house sigma i don't really know how far it goes right but there is very clearly listings that chat gpt is behind the listing description right yeah. how annoying is it to you know be i'm getting this listing, I'm getting, oh my gosh i have to sit down and write this listing description yeah i mean it's i actually it's love fun. it okay <laughs> <laughs> i get so excited to do to it listing yeah like especially if it's a nice house like i get to like show off like all the awesome upgrades like i hate it i hate when you see (laughs) i hate when you see a house and it's like stunning and it's just been renovated everything is stunning and they don't yeah there's like oh stunning like okay but like what kind of kitchen was it like when was it done like i put in my descriptions i put the roof age the ac the furniture. like i want everyone to know everything about the house yes so I like that, and I do too. I just don't find joy in it. You just don't find joy in it, yeah. I find joy so in it. Every, well, okay, I'm not going to say every, but a lot of listings lately is this stunning home in well-sought-after blank community yeah, yeah. features. three, And so it's the same tag words, and although they're all different, it sounds good. It's like an intro, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, if you're selling a house, you want to dive into I, I'd rather see point form of the upgrades and the type of, you know, the quality of the of the home. Of the home mm-hmm. rather than a really nice sounding intro. Right. Right? All right, so here's another one we're talking about. So you saw an ad that said 1% free staging, free photos, free marketing, super bland. Like what does that even mean? I actually got it in my mailbox. So I and I analyzed it. I can respect another agent's marketing material yeah they're hustle yeah <laughs> right but it said uh we'll list your house for one percent and then it said dash free staging dash free photos well okay that's usually mm-hmm. given free this free this and it had a ton of free cleaning um and a ton of things so then i'm thinking in the neighborhood that i received it you know you got to think one percent minus your brokerage splits we all have splits with our brokerage yep Minus staging, my last listing cost me five grand to stage. Yeah. Right. My photos are 300 bucks. My sponsored ads. So I'm thinking this agent is not netting my, and then after tax, you're, she's not netting anything if she's hired. So I understand volume rather mm. than how much money you're making per transaction. But you got to think the quality because if she knows that this is all I'm going to make, she'll try to kind of cheap out maybe on how much she would have spent staging, would yeah. have spent sponsoring ads. So a lot of clients are so focused on what is your listing commission? What, how cheap will you do it? You and do I, it. my response to them is it's not 
always the best idea to go with the cheapest agent. It's not you get what you pay for in everything yeah. in life, including your real estate agent. Yeah, like when this says free staging, that just means like Perrier water, like in your <laughs> in <laughs> or, your kitchen. <laughs> or very tacky staging. Yeah. Sometimes I see listings where it says it's sta it's clearly staged, but it's it's photograph worthy. Right. Right. Like so, if you're spending five grand on staging my, my listings own, and, and they're elite. they do, they look stunning. So it's like, do you want to be that person who you're you look at your house yeah. and you're almost embarrassed yeah. that that's your house and like that's the way you're portraying it because you went with someone who didn't stage. Um, you know, their photos are probably not that great. It's an investment. Every yeah. listing I take on, it's, it's an investment. A, it's yeah. a front heavy investment, right? It's mm -hmm. costing me a lot of money up front. Nothing's guaranteed. A, and it's not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the listing agent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <I'm just> <laughs> um, you sell everything you touch. <laughs> but three months later is when you usually close. And then a month after that, you're paid. So it's very front heavy. So yeah. if you have a lot of listings, you are very front heavy investing in those listings. Oh, yeah. A lot of agents aren't willing to do that. No. So these 1%, I see it. I understand why they're doing it. It's more about, uh, about volume. If somebody wants a commission break and they're all also buying yes i'm gonna work with them mm -hmm. right yeah but i think you get what you pay for and i don't think it's a good look no and then what isn't what company went out of business what uh, was it called it was purple bricks purple bricks it went out of business and then it was uh desjardins bought it i forget what it was called but um, they went out of business they changed their name it was they so got a stigma <laughs> so our next topic here so i love this one toronto edge is one step closer to city-wide multiplex legalization mm -hmm. so what does this mean it means that if you own a single family lot, which a lot of Toronto is zoned for, you can actually build more than one dwelling. So you can build a duplex, a triplex, and really what this will do, it'll bring more density within neighborhoods, which is super important because we have so many high rises, people aren't having families. Like people aren't like actually like growing or population isn't growing unless it's immigration. So this will be awesome because it'll allow people to actually kind of have these type of homes where it's actually like, I feel like I can have a family here. Right. and everything like that. So it will add density to neighborhoods. So basically what's happening is that- Wait, I have a point. Okay, go. So if it's already zoned single family and mm -hmm. they're allowing you to build a duplex, yeah. you already essentially have the space in the basement. Now it's just a duplex with another kitchen. So uh, for resale, you still have the same amount of space. I'm thinking they should build more of these types of homes on the land that we have. Like how much land does Canada have? allowing homeowners to just duplex their basement, mm -hmm. great. But it's like the families that are trying to buy these places, well, a basement that's not legal or a basement that is legal, mm -hmm. it's still the same amount of space is kind of my... I think if you think about, like if you look at plans and designs of like an actual triplex or a mm -hmm. duplex, like I think we've gotten too comfortable with like just an upper and a lower. Yeah. But like if you can fit, say you put two semis on a single family lot, ah. like that's more of like right. a family friendly like option. It. Or like you have two, you have a semi and in the back you have a garden suite or something like that. So I think this will almost, I don't think people who own, you know, homes will enjoy this, like detached homes. Obviously they're going to be upset. Like I bought this home. Like I don't want all these, you know, units going into my neighborhood that, you know, I love walking and there's, you know, my neighbors are way down there right. sort of thing. So I think that that might upset a few people, but what's happening is that. I think it's going to just add supply to the rental market. Yeah. It should add supply to the rental market. The rental market. It's not going to make homes more affordable. Well, I think if it depends, right. If, if, if you have builders coming in, um, and building on land that doesn't and building, have say there's a, there's a decrepit home or something yeah. like that. And then you actually sell each unit 
if that's a, like, this is all just like in plan. So you need I, there's to sell two units, not mm-hmm. just one with a ba- legalized basement apartment. No, but it actually becomes more like, it, it will probably become more profitable for builders, right? Like if yeah. I can buy this single family home and I can sell two units, I'm going to make way more money yeah. than if I just like build one 4,000 square foot yeah. home. So I think that it will incentivize builders, which is good. Um, but what it, what's happening is that if this is approved by city council, the new zoning allowances will go beyond the provinces make, uh, sorry, more homes built faster act and it will override municipal zoning. This is expected to be considered in May. So it's coming up. We're in May today. So interesting because, okay, so we're in May today. Yes. Mm-hmm. May for happy May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May 1st. So that's quick and Toronto is usually very slow. So mm-hmm. they're, they're seeing, you know, I mean, this is exciting for them. Like let's pass this quick. Yeah. However, where are, you know, roadblock blocks are going to be. And there's always these roadblocks. There's always issues for sure. Okay, great. No more zoning laws. Awesome. Go nuts. Now you still need a permit Mm -hmm. to do the build. You still need the city inspectors. You still need all that stuff. Yeah. So as a homeowner, okay. Oh my gosh, I'm not zoned single family anymore. I'm going to build a duplex. Great. Apply for a permit. We are interesting stat 64th in the, I guess, however many cities in the world yeah. for time it takes to get a building permit approved. 64th Canada. And we have all this land. We yeah. have so much land. We are something like in the 70s, I think I read, um, uh, slowest with permits and uh, lowest amount of houses per capita. Like Canada has a lot of land. Yeah. And we're among the slowest. slowest out of, out the of- slowest out of the G7 the slowest out of the G7 for time it takes to get these permits approved. Um, so great that they're allowing this mm-hmm. new zoning, great no more zoning, but okay, now go to the city and get a permit. Get a permit, yeah, yeah. Good, I, good luck. Yeah, it's going to take a while. Like, I think it's obviously an awesome, like, in the right direction I'm being sort of thing. You're being pessimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. Like, <laughs> I think it's going to be, it could be good, but you're, there's no doubt you have this, this permit issue that takes so long for people to actually, like, get things done. But- I think there's this awareness now, especially with social media about this being such an issue where it's like almost forcing these, you know, people at the city's hand, like you better start hurrying up before we make you hurry up. Before we make you hurry up. Like before we start giving fines and before we start, like it cannot take this long. It it shouldn't be this slow. Right. So that's, and I like to listen to a lot of these debates um, politically. That is one of the main concerns that I like to follow because I see, you know, our housing market, we're in a crisis. Like 100%. 100%. It sucks to see. Mm-hmm. It really does. So I like to follow what people are talking about in terms of the government and not everything is directly from them, but I like to hear what they have to say. And um, it was interesting that that was one of them. So mm-hmm. the permit, the, the, permit the length, yeah. the time it takes to get the permit, that's one that's come up, which good, because they weren't really talking about it for, they, they never really talked about it. No, you don't really know. You don't know what's going on until you no. actually hear the statistics and you're yeah. like that. What? Yeah. Is this all just because yeah, like. It was like seven to 10 years it takes to be approved for a new community in Canada. Mm-hmm. So a new community consists of lots of houses, right? A new development, mm-hmm. right? But you need seven to 10 years of all of the steps that it takes. So it's a lot of this red tape in Canada. And so that is one of the main concerns that's halting the build homes faster. Yeah. Act. Uh, which they haven't necessarily done too much about. 
Uh, we'll see if this helps. Yeah. To add to that, Dan- Daniel Foch did a great video on his uh, Instagram there that I saw, and it talked about the most like heavily taxed industries in Canada mm-hmm. and housing. Like to build a new home, yeah. I think it was twenty five percent of the actual like value of the home yeah. was taxed. So we're talking about literally about this housing crisis, how you know people can't afford homes, especially in Toronto and Vancouver. They can't start families, but yet the government says they're doing all these things. We're going to give you a first time home buyer's tax account, but yet twenty five percent of that is going to fees. It's really eye opening that. Right. It, you are the problem. Like you, yeah. <laughs> like you need to get out of the way and start allowing people to build. Yeah. And so now they're saying too, that they're going to give a building bonus mm-hmm. for people that want to build. Right. Yeah. So there are things in, in the works, which I like to hear. Um, this being one of them. Great. I, I think it's a good start. I think there's a lot more that needs to happen if we want to build enough homes to support everyone coming in. Yeah. How many people did, did they say by 20? 50, 700,000 in Toronto. That's just Toronto alone by 2050. Yeah. It's, it's the numbers don't make sense. It just goes beyond, but even I I still think we're going to be having the same conversation in five years, but even today, like anecdotally boots on the ground. What, what am I seeing? Like I just saw, I was telling you this before I showed a home in Burlington, um, three, three bedrooms, two and a half bath, like pretty much the size of a town home. It was detached. Um, I want to say it's like 16 to 1800 square feet, not massive. Listed at 1.1 million and it had 15 offers. So I don't even know what happened to it, but we're in this high interest rate environment. Inflation, high interest. High in, like the highest it's been in such a long time. And you still yeah. have this housing supply. You still have 15 offers on something over a million bucks. So you need to think about that. A million bucks, you have to have 200K down just to have that mortgage. So there's 15 people out there who are probably really stretching themselves, yeah. which is wild, but. So for me, I have some people and we're, we're in the Hamilton markets. I'm working with a lot of first time buyers that don't want to stretch their budget past, you know, a certain number that they feel comfortable with, even if they're pre-approved for higher, because I'm big on breaking it down for them and saying, great, we're pre-approved for 600. Amazing. Well, what does that look like for you monthly? Yeah. I don't know is the answer. Mm -hmm. No, no, we got to know. So 600,000 broken down after whatever your down payment is, whatever percentage. Okay. A monthly cost of great. What's your tax? What's your insurance? What's your grocery bill? Hydro. What's your hydro? Your car. Break me your, give me a spreadsheet of what you pay for. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you if you can afford your max pre-approval. Pre-approval. Yeah. Right. Don't go spending your pre-approval amount because broker, Mr. Broker gave me 600,000 to spend. I have the down payment saved, Mm -hmm. right? Mom and dad might help me and I think I can afford it. No, no, you're, you're going to break it down for me because things are still very, expensive. I mean, inflation's coming down and that's really good to see. And we've come down a ton since 8% last year. Like things are mm-hmm. slowing down, it's slowing, yeah. but you know, other things are slowing down, but then the housing market is still kind of this anomaly over here where there's still, there was 35 offers on this house in Hamilton that had water damage everywhere, all over the floor. Um, it, it was priced at 400 K it's, it's, still at 800 square foot bungalow with water damage and walls falling apart. Mm. It ended up going almost at almost 600,000. So there's flippers out there. That means that that see this as maybe the bottom, Mm -hmm. but, um, as much as, you know, the economy has slowed down spending because of the high cost of pretty much everything, the housing market is still remaining in multiple offers everywhere. I look, do you think, this might be controversial, but do you think that 
in Canada, we've just like made being a real estate investor, this extreme sexy thing that <laughs> everyone needs to do. And everyone just goes cause it's way easier to get a mortgage and no one really starts businesses. Like no one's really that incentivized to start a business. Like I don't know a lot of people who have a business where they employ 10, 20 people and you know, it, it, it contributes to the economy. But I know so many people are like, Oh, I bought yeah. this rental property in yeah. Calgary sight unseen. Right. That just sounds dangerous, but yeah. they're, they're you know probably going to be right in the long term. But have we really just created this economy where it's like, just buy real estate and hold it and it only goes up? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to talk about because real estate historically, um, if you buy a rental property and you do your research, it'll make you money. So it is in a sense a business, but it has become this like thing that if you're a real estate investor, yeah. you're like elite. You're right? elite. Yeah. And for a long time, I'll be completely honest right now. For a long time, I was that right. But yeah. I'm also a realtor. So I'm very interested. You're in the market. Yeah, in yeah, it, yeah. So it's different. It's different. But I'm like rental property, rental property, and refinance, new one, new one. And I'm like, I don't really care that like, I, I get it. It's also to build equity and like provide mm -hmm. my future family with, you know, some security, right. Safety. Yeah. But it's, it was always like the more max that one out do more, do more, do more, because it, it is this thing that people like, Oh, I have six properties. It's, I just, yeah. I don't think it's, you don't hear people be like, Oh, I have a business. Like I hear people like, if you look at the jobs in Canada, like so many of them are created just from the government. Mm -hmm. So like, that's just like publicly tax yeah. and funded. And then you got the big banks, you got the big cell phone companies, you got the big grocery stores. Totally. Like, I don't know a lot of entrepreneurs. And like, I guess, I guess the bottom line, do we suppress entrepreneurship yeah, in this country? If you are an entrepreneur, especially a new one, good luck getting a mortgage or yeah. Really yeah, 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 yeah. a loan from the government, your two year corporate income or whatever business income, mm -hmm. that's tough for the banks to see. Like, it's almost like scary to be a business owner if you don't like have a setup and you're like out of the gate running yeah. because you're going to be affected. You're going to struggle to get a mortgage. Um, and Canada doesn't really incentivize. No, they really don't. It, 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 you can get a mortgage tomorrow through yeah. a broker. No problem. So it's like, you can just get 800 grand given to you for this investment property. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yet if you have a business, you have to like show this huge plan and you know yeah. raise the money and all these things, but just an interesting thought that I had. That is interesting. <laughs> okay, let's move Food on. for thought. Topic three, the best place to buy real estate in Canada in 2023. Somebody posted that on my wall and I, yeah, I found it interesting. Yeah, I didn't like the one place where I want to live was rated the worst, but we'll get into that. <laughs> so Money Sense, where to buy real estate in Canada in 2023 report has placed the GTA 42nd out of 45 cities in terms of value and buying condition. While Vancouver took the 44th spot, Mississauga appears to be between the two, while Oakville and Milton, Oakville, our hometown, our was, ranked, was, <laughs> was ranked the worst place to purchase a property in Canada this year. Okay, so they're talking about value, though, because you look at now another article, if you log on to a different website, uh, Oakville is the best place to live place in to live. Canada. Wasn't it rated that like two years ago? Yeah, I think yeah. it's still rated that. Oakville is the best place to live in Canada, and I am from Oakville and I currently live in Oakville and I don't want to leave Oakville. I get it. I lived in Hamilton for yeah. the last two years. I love Hamilton. I love it for investment. I think there's some great communities, but I'm back in Oakville because it, it is a great place to live, but mm. I guess they're talking about the value. And they're talking about value versus the benchmark price really. So okay. why Oakville's at the bottom of the list, Oakville with a benchmark price of 1.4 million and a three year growth rate of 51%. 
That is insane. 51% in three years. Like Think that about is all the people that bought four years ago that became millionaires in three years. Just by doing nothing. Just by doing it. Yeah. Rich by accident. <laughs> rich by accident. That's what I always tell my dad. Is <laughs> <laughs> that to him? Oh yeah. You got right rich to his by face accident. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about the actual uh, places where, you know, this article actually says, like, this is a good place to buy. So with a benchmark price of 320000 a cool 472000 below the national average, a three-year growth rate of 84%. So still a really, yeah, still a really high growth rate. But Greater Moncton was deemed the best place to buy real estate in Canada. 84% growth rate? Well, if you think about it though, like if you had an 84% growth rate, they must be valued. They must be, they were probably, <clears throat> yeah, they yes. were, they were super cheap, right? Like Oakville at a 51% is, you know, the benchmark it price. Sense, yeah. That's still, it's still crazy. Real estate shouldn't grow 84% in three years, no matter what price it starts at. My theory is that everyone just loves to invest. So they go and they find these cheaper places to buy and rent them out. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Salt Saint Marie nabs second place on the list with a value score of four point six eight. The city has a lower benchmark price at two hundred and ninety two thousand. Nobody wants to live in Sault Ste. Marie. I know. Sorry, to, if you live in. That's Saint not true. <laughs> <laughs> they had a three year growth rate of seventy five percent. Jesus. I know. North Bay followed with a benchmark price of four hundred and thirteen thousand. Even North Bay, four hundred and thirteen thousand. Like that's higher than I would have guessed. And a three-year growth rate of 83%. So I don't think that we're going to see these numbers again. So they're they're pulling data from pre-COVID prices to now where we saw like all of the um, immigration that had been back. Like there's so many things that have changed mm-hmm. in the past three years since the pandemic. Yeah. So I wonder if these were like COVID darlings too, right? Like just where, yeah. where people would just leave and go to these different provinces. Totally. So it's interesting that they're using these stats because we're never going to see these stats again. It's almost like not relevant that oh it grew that much maybe that's a good place to invest or whatever the case may be it's it's just not going to happen again if you looked at this as a stock and you saw that this grew at 84 percent in three years Mm -hmm. would you not look at yourself and be like i probably missed the boat yeah (laughs) yeah but it's like and but when you think about real estate you're like what's going to slow this so that's an interesting thought actually What's going to slow this down? So these cities that have grown that much in three years, which is astronomical, I didn't even realize that was the percentage. What is going to slow this down? If we look at it as a stock, well, where is a good place to invest or buy real estate? Well, okay, I like to say this, and I'm going to sound vain. I want to buy in communities and cities where there is a lot of Starbucks. And not because I love yeah. my Starbucks. I love my Starbucks, but why? Starbucks does the work for you. Starbucks knows what they're doing. They do. And there's some city, there's some neighborhoods in Hamilton, which I've noticed ever since I heard this. And I'm like, the nearest Starbucks is like 18 minutes away to the point where I'm like angry because I can't yeah. have my coffee. Your $8 latte. <laughs> but it's because they don't see it as a really growing, growing neighborhood, or it's not, you know, mm-hmm. the demographic that's going to push up value. Basically what this means is that there will not be people spending four to $8 on coffee. Mm-hmm. If they're putting a Starbucks there, their whole analytic team has yeah. done the research for you. Yeah. They know there's people they're there that smart. have money employed. They're known as one of the companies that do serious, serious research mm-hmm. on their locations. Yeah. Another thing is wherever you're investing, look at where the big... <laughs> The big stores go, a Walmart, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
even, you know, Canadian Tire, like the big yeah. ticket stores, mm-hmm. where are they going? Because they're not just plopping stores in random cities uh, if they don't believe in it. You know, one went into um, like near St. Catharines well, a long time ago, Costco off the side of the highway in Grimsby. Yeah. Way yeah. before Grimsby kind was of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Costco You're right. Knew. Yeah, yeah, Costco knew. Yeah, yeah. Right? So follow where these big companies who have these analytic teams and know what they're doing. And it might be a, you know, a kind of a sign, yeah. right? It's and a great so, tell. It's a great yeah. tell. So now it's like, did I miss the boat? Okay, well, what's happening in that city come the next 10 years? Yeah. Well, I invested in Hamilton. Well, what's coming in Hamilton in the next 10 years? So much. There's a $1 billion plan that the government has imposed to revitalize, you know, the downtown core, change the whole food and art Seen in Hamilton, yeah. The LRT, they're doing a ton of work with Bell Infrastructure. It's going to be one of the largest hubs in Canada. So the amount of work being pumped into the city to drive tourism, drive the population, increase jobs, um, build more towers, I see that as a growing city. I see it to continue to grow. And then you look at, you know, Moncton or... I don't know Moncton, so I can't comment on it. What's happening there? It grew 84%. What's going to keep that on that trajectory? Yeah. What, what's going to make that go? Like we know that immigrate, like we always talk about immigration. I want to just like stop mm. talking about it. But we know that most immigrants immigrate to Ontario. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's just like an easy growth, growth rate that you're looking right. at. Right. So it's, uh, you're right. It is interesting to see like, can can these markets still grow at this ridiculous pace? You you have to do your research to find that out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, like where I live is the best and the worst. Place yeah, to live. I actually it actually makes me I sad. Like Oakville at the bottom of the list. It's like it's okay. with a benchmark price of one point four million. Like ah. Uh. <laughs> All right, our last topic here: Realtors will soon be required to list on the MLS within three days of public marketing. No one is going to listen to that. Mm. Yeah, like is when they say public marketing, like does that mean like you're posting like on Instagram? Yeah, like is there a Rico person watching Brooke Hicks Instagram? (laughs) It's like oh you you uh, yeah yeah maybe, (laughs) Uh, but it's weird, right? Like I think it's I think it's what is really trying to do because there was like an overwhelming like in favor of of this happening. So I think it's more just like people kind of holding pocket listings and then double ending it, which is frustrating people. Oh, mm. this is to go away from exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really. It definitely it. doesn't mean your Instagram coming soon. That's no. what I was like. Why? Who cares? That makes sense. There's two things I'm thinking of: the bait and switch model, mm-hmm. which it's not really hurting anyone, but it's yeah. bait and switch is essentially putting up a listing. Let's say your old listing that's in a condo building for lease for sale mm-hmm. on social media platforms, having somebody reply to it it being already gone and say, Hey, yeah, that's available. But I also have these two available. Oh crap. That one just went right. Just sold. I have these two available. I see. So you're baiting them and then switching them to something else kind of thing, mm-hmm. trying to get clients fishing for clients. That's not, that's kind of a tacky way to get clients in my opinion. But yeah, people definitely. Do it. People do it. Um, but no, it's for exclusive listings. I yeah. like it now. I just changed my mind and it's on the spot. <laughs> I, I think the one argument to it though, is that um, even if it is like an exclusive Cause a lot of the luxury market is exclusive. Yeah. Like a lot of it is done. Like you don't even see a sign, you see nothing. And like the reason for that is just like people want to like protect their privacy. They don't want to sign on the, on their front lawn. I a so. listing that said, please don't put a for sale sign on my property. I've already had a lot of people drive up my driveway. It's this massive farm in, in Hamilton. 
um, knocking on my door. I don't want the attention. Mm -hmm. People are going to come direct to me. And I guess that's just their fear, but they don't yeah. want the attention. Yeah. No, you just go sell it, put it where you need to yeah. go for salesman. I think like my friend told me he does luxury, which mm -hmm. is like probably does like $5 million plus sort of listings. Yeah. And he, I think like 30 to 40% of their business is done off market because people don't want to go to market. They don't want photos in their home. They just want, mm. you know, I'll call, I, I see the value in, in agent who yeah. does all the work around here. And if he can sell this privately, I would love that. But maybe it says in three days in public marketing. So maybe it means once the sign's up and it says exclusive, mm -hmm. chop, chop. Yeah. Maybe if it, it's just if a you pocket have a, listing. If you have an exclusive yeah, agreement sign. Sell, yeah, yeah. But Public marketing, meaning this is my listing to the world. Now it's chop, chop. If you have a pocket listing and try and sell it, maybe it's not necessarily the case. But I see these teams, a lot of teams that do exclusive listings. Double end it. And then double end it. Yeah, and, and they, they post it on the, on the MLS board. Never, yeah. came, to never came to market. It's sold in one day. And it's so it's sad that the seller almost like buys into it. Yeah. I'll always get more if you have more marketing. For Go sure. Yeah, yeah. Always. Never 100%. don't go to MLS. Hundred percent. So. <laughs> Anyways, that was the last topic we'll I had. That. That's interesting. Do you have any that do that? <laughs> do you have any kind of boots on the ground you want to finish up with? What you're seeing? Things change so fast. Things change week to week. I'm uh, I'm so so busy, but with little odds and ends. And mm. there's, there's a lot of people, in, you know, that are just not in a position to make quick moves and that's okay. I'll walk with you to the end of time if, yeah. if that's what you need. But I think that there's so many different types of listings. One's in a bidding war, one's not in a bidding war and one's overpriced that everyone is confused. Yeah. It is. That confusing. is there is a, it is a confusing market right now for buyers, for sellers and even for real realtors. Like some of yeah. them, you know, it's trying to price stuff is very hard. Like, should I hold offers? Should I not What's hold off? What's your strategy? Yeah, it's very important right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually running by, like I have ideas for listings and I run it by other people. See, like, what would you yeah. do in this situation? Well, I have two listings coming this week. One of them is listed face value. Uh, one of them I'm doing a bidding war. So and I think it's very specific to the type of property. For sure. But a lot of my buyers, it's sad. They're confused. And I have to just actually, instead of putting people on a portal search now where they get all these listings. Yeah. Before they knew everything was in a bidding war. Mm -hmm. And then everything everything was not in a bidding war. Now, 20 of them are in a bidding war and 15 aren't and 10 are overpriced and no one understands. And so it's a lot of coaching right now, which mm -hmm. I love my job, so that's good. But it's just sad to see how much confusion there is in the market right now. For sure. Yeah. To see 15 offers on something is, is sad. It's sad. It's like sad. we're just back to this. I thought we were getting away from it and we're just right back there. So. We'll, we'll, uh, figure, we'll figure it out. Hopefully more supply along. comes to the market. If you want to sell your house with one of us, call us. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. We would love it. And comment down below any of your thoughts or anything you want us to talk about. And if you're on TikTok or Instagram, follow us there for like some short clips. If you don't want to watch this whole episode, we do quick short clips there and people love it and comment on it and, and mean and things burn. and nice things. Yeah. And, and uh, I do, I do apologize. It's not St. John's, New Brunswick. It's St. John. It's not plural. I know St. John's is in Newfoundland, so I do apologize, but I'll make sure to do better next time. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye.